Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now. And with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall. And if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball. Now go out and hand check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna me for my ambition. Welcome on into episode 139, 139 episodes today on DLNS Radio in the SeatGeek Studios. My name is Simo Buckets and no Andrew Norris today for he again is super, super busy at work. I don't know if you heard, but he's got about 70 to 80 hours a week. It's crazy. He's working like 150 hours a week on top of his tryouts for baseball. He has been a very, very, very busy man. And uh, we all understand here on the Hoopers Log, uh, episode 139. We're going to recap what happened last night in the NBA. Not a ton to recap, not a ton to go over, um, but the NBA playoffs between the Spurs and the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Spurs are done. The San Antonio Spurs are now officially done. And the, the crappy part about it is that the San Antonio Spurs – I think their trio's done as well. And and I don't know if you've been watching me on Twitter lately, but I've been talking about the greatest trios of all time. And obviously these tri- this trio of Ginobili and Parker and Tim obviously are the they are the they're they're a top five trio. I mean, obviously there's a bunch of trios that are tough to, to notice. Um but overall um overall it's 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 a tough it's a tough thing to, to talk about. And I think I've narrowed it down to the top three. And if you'd like to call in, the phone number is 323-642-1558 is the number. And, and it's, been, it's been one of those years where, I mean, I'm not shocked as a Spurs fan seeing what happened with the Oklahoma City Thunder and Spurs series. I'm not. I'm really not. I expected this. Not, not for them to lose. I expected them to win. But for them to have it be a tough series and even lose. I mean, it wouldn't have been a shocker if they lost. And I said that coming into the series, it was going to be a knockdown drag out. And what's fascinating is from the beginning of the series, all the way to the very end, it went from a, you know, Spurs dominate game one. Everyone's talking about the, the, the Kevin Durant potentially leaving and doing things. And then all of a sudden, you know, game two, the, the the craziness of the refs, obviously, on top of the Spurs didn't play necessarily well. People looked at it as kind of like a fluke, so it was a 1-1 series going back to Oklahoma City. Then the Spurs bounced back and, and had an unbelievable – I mean, that was one of the best games I've seen the Spurs play from a mental toughness perspective on the road. They bounced back to one series lead. Uh, Oklahoma City bounces back with their own victory. Kevin Durant played great. And I think – and this is – and I'm going to bring this analogy up a lot. If you'd like to call on the phone number again, 323 642 one five five eight. Kevin Hart. Let's get it going. Right, Kevin right, Hart. Right, get it started. Right. You're gonna learn today. Yeah, let's get it going here on the Hoopers Log again, episode one thirty nine on a Friday, May thirteenth. Friday the thirteenth. The last weekly show we've done. Look, we've been doing this hard since November second. I've repeated them myself. Like, let's get back to the point. The Spurs and Thunder. Look, this was. Everything everyone expected this series going the way it went all the way up until game four and then game five happened and 
I'm going to just tell you something. I think in game five, and everyone's been talking about Steven Adams and Edith Cantor and their, their impact performance on what they've done. The San Antonio Spurs did something in 2014 when they beat the Heat in the NBA Finals where I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in game five, the series was tied 2-2. I believe it went to overtime. And when it went to overtime and then it went to a game six, Corey Joseph stepped up, I mean, immensely. That was one of those moments where you knew your team. I don't know what it was, but after that moment, it just felt like we were destined to win the title in 2014 as a Spurs fan. After Corey Joseph did what he did against the Thunder in overtime, you just felt like we were just destined. Something said in my ear, this is our year. It's us. You know, the year we lost to the Heat, obviously we choked in game six. But for for some reason, it didn't feel like we even ever had a chance. Even though Ray Allen's shot was unbelievable, I mean, obviously I thought we had won the title in game six. But for some reason, even though that game went the way it was, the whole series, I felt like we weren't meant to win the series. You know, and, I'm not, and I know it's, it's hindsight's twenty twenty. Obviously we had a chance. The series went back and forth in game, you know, one of the greatest series we've ever seen in 2013 between the Heat and Heat and, uh Spurs and the Spurs lost. Everyone thought the trio was over. They came back with the title. Then the year after, they lost to the Clippers last year in the playoffs. Obviously, that happened. And then this year, for some reason, though, this game, game five, obviously two games ago, uh, prior to last night's game, I felt like after that one, it was the Thunders. This is the Thunders' year. Now, are they going to win the title? I don't think so. I don't know, but for some reason, something tells me that after something clicked in game five or as a team on the road, second time they beat San Antonio on the road in the series. And on top of that, Russell Westbrook played a great basketball game. Enos Cantor, Steven Adams, big time threats down low, shifting on defense, playing unbelievable athletic defense. It was awe-inspiring. And, from that perspective and watching these t- these two teams duke it out, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I think the Thunder going into this – and look, this is what will, you know, from the other perspective of the Warriors, this if, – if the Thunder – if the Thunder win this series over the Warriors and then they go to the NBA Finals, we're going to see – look, LeBron and KD, I don't think – I think this is the year. I think – if this is the matchup we all want to see, and look, we saw this back in 2012, but it was a little different because KD was a little bit younger. That team was a little bit younger, not fully developed where they were. Yes, they had James Harden, but they you could make the debate that their bench was not ready. They did not have the bench ready enough to play the Cavs at that, or excuse me, the Heat at that point. But this will be the year where I think, honest to God, I mean, Kyrie, Le- Kyrie, Russell Westbrook, LeBron, KD. I'm not discounting the Warriors at all. I think the Warriors can easily get to the NBA Finals. Not easily, but they can get there. But to get back to my point, if the Warriors beat this Thunder team, and I'm saying this as an objective fan, as a Spurs fan altogether, look, we should have beaten the Thunder. We should have. But something clicked, and people have been saying this team got old overnight. I don't disagree. I think the Spurs, what everyone anticipated the Spurs to do throughout the entire year – they saw in one microcosm of this series between the Thunder and Spurs. They got old real fast. I mean, real fast. Tim Duncan looked like he, if he wants to come back, he's going to be like a 10 to 15 minute guy, third option off the bench, you know, fills in in parts and spurts in the first half and will finish down the stretch. That's all he's going to be at the end of it. That's all he's going to be now if he wants to come back. Outside of that, he, you can't use him anymore. He just can't play offense. Defensively, he can be a defensive specialist, a lot like Chris Birdman from uh, on the Heat, you know. But anything more than that, he's you're just he's not you're not going to get it. Manu Ginobili, I think Manu's been done for the last three years. Since 2013, Ginobili has not been any any more effective than anyone else coming off that bench. I mean, he's, that's just the way it's been. I mean, do I love the guy? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, 13 years of this trio. Five Western Conference Finals championships, four NBA championships. Uh, you can't really complain with this trio. It's been one of the greatest trios of all time. Not the greatest, in my opinion. I think the Lakers are the greatest. They had seven-year run, six Western Conference championships in that run. On top of not just that run, but they also found a way to 
you know, not just not just affect that run, but they also won four champions. I mean, they won they won four championships in that span. Excuse me, three championships. They won three championships out of their six times getting to the top. I mean, unbelievable stuff. It, it's crazy. It's crazy. So the Thunder move on. They're amazing. And uh, we do have a caller on the line. I believe this is Chris. His Twitter handle is uh, his Twitter handle online is I'm just greatness. And uh, I believe he's on the line right now. Uh, here he is. Two five three. Is this you, Chris? Yeah. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, dude. How's it going? What's going on? How's life going? Oh, it's good, man. Enjoying this playoff basketball. Hey, man. I saw your article, and by the way, for those of you that don't know, this guy uh, wrote an article today. You should go check it out. It's on uh, simplyhoopsblog.com. It's NBA playoff format, and it's it's fascinating. And I think, you know, from the standpoint of where, you know, college basketball is obviously with the 60, 68 uh, team play in, how they don't really they don't really necessarily use a you know Western Eastern like the pros do. But the idea of the reseeding is an actually a genius idea because if you think about it, the Golden State Warriors this year, no debate, best team in the NBA. I mean, no debate. But number two was the Spurs. Number three, realistically, was Cleveland. If you really did yep. reseed it, I mean, and, and with, the way, with the way that the NBA is now, not just the NBA, but sports in the – look, the old adage of the NBA being a Western and Eastern Conference thing was based upon travel alone. Look, they've, look this is what's fascinating to me. I don't know why the NBA hasn't done this, you know, within the last 10, 15 years, just, just to be honest, because, you know, look at baseball. Baseball's been doing this for hundreds of years. I mean, over a hundred years now where they've gone coast to coast, you know, played teams, national league, whether it's the Mets, whether it's the Dodgers, whether it's, you know, San Francisco giants, and then going back over there to play, you know, Boston and New York, and then going up to Seattle where we live up in this region. It, it, it's a fascinating debate. And it doesn't, it doesn't shock me into why the NBA doesn't do this already. They've already made a step coming into this season stating whoever gets the, the necessary seedings, no matter what you do winning your division, you're going to be seated where your record is. They've made that step. I think the next step is to make this an overall seated base. And, and the reason why is because, like, you, like you've mentioned in your article, you, you've got teams like the Cleveland Cavaliers where – just look at the Eastern Conference. Look, and it, it's no knock on the Hawks. It's no knock on the Pistons. Look, we all said coming into the postseason – that the Pistons were going to be a team that were probably going to test the Cavs more than likely because they were a team that were probably the toughest test for the Cavs. But when you look at the Eastern Conference, if the second best team in the East is the Toronto Raptors, and that's no knock on them, their playoff history has been junk for the last 15 years. And you've seen it this postseason with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. That really isn't a, you know, a team tested for the postseason. Now in your uh, bracket that you made on your article again for those of you not listening is simply hoops.sportsblog.com NBA playoff format is the title um, you know the Toronto would be the fourth seed but Oklahoma City would be the fifth seed that would be a fascinating second round series if that were to be the case and maybe even Detroit would beat a team like Toronto in the first round you know could you explain what you talked about in this article and, and your reasoning behind why the NBA should receive uh, basically, I was uh, really just paying attention to um, the playoff basketball we had. Uh, even with the Warriors only losing two games in the first two rounds, those first two rounds were still exciting basketball. As far as for Cleveland, right. they didn't lose a game at all, and it was just, just boring. You know, Nobody really wanted to watch right. those games. And with the Eastern Conference, you, now you watch Toronto and Miami. It's just sloppy, just really just – it's it's tough grinded out, just disgusting basketball. And yeah. also I was thinking about how, you know, a, a lot of kind of Kobe fans, but um, people pretty much go to LeBron <laughs> for playing in the East, and you notice that he does play on the weaker side of the NBA. So I kind of had to break it down yeah. and really look at it. And after I made the bracket, you see at the bottom, Cleveland would be a three seed, and they would have played Dallas in the first round. And then in the second round, they probably would have played the Clippers. Now, Cleveland versus the yeah. Clippers in the second round will be a much bigger, you know, that's a much harder. CP3 and Kyrie final. Irving, sign me up. Sign me yes, up. Exactly. That is a nasty duo right there. It'll be just the different seating will be, it'll just be much more uh, entertaining for the fans. 
And uh, somebody yeah. actually tweeted me just now saying that the travel will be bad. And look, these guys are millionaires. They they fly privately. Right, right. And, they have comfortable seats. They had the best hotels, all of this money. So I don't want to hear any crap about traveling because you literally have the yeah. best travel. You're good. You're all right. So I think that Commissioner uh, Adam Silver needs to go ahead and make this happen. You know, I definitely believe that this will make the playoffs much more watchable. You know, nobody wants to watch the Cavs walk to the finals and they're well-rested playing against a beat-up Western Conference team, you know, whereas like, it's just not – even when you go to the playoffs, because the Hawks and, like you said, the Hawks and the Raptors were behind Cleveland, but significantly far. Whereas on yeah. the West, you have Golden State, San Antonio's there, OKC, and then even behind them you have Clippers, and then Portland, which is which is obviously they did a phenomenal job in the playoffs. And I just think yeah. that it's so unbalanced for the playoffs to do much better than they are now. We need to get rid of the whole conference thing because it's now in the NFL, the divisions matter, you know, that kind of plays sure. a bigger role as far as you getting your playoff city. But in NBA, if divisions don't matter, just pass out the banners and then we'll see that based on the top 16 teams. We would have got to see a pretty decent Chicago team over a very mediocre Houston team. Yeah. Exactly. No, and I and I don't disagree with you at all. And and another thing too, and, and the NBA, and I want to ask you this question because I think it's a pretty solid question when it comes to this article. I know you didn't. I I, I tend to just think of ideas on the fly sometimes. Sometimes they don't work. Ninety percent of the times, all of our ideas are junk. But this is an idea that I've had for a long time, and I know it would be unconventional. But the NBA already does something unconventional with the lottery. Look, I mean, how many other how many how many other sports? Uh, leagues do a thing where they use ping pong balls to decide who gets the first pick. I mean, realistically, <laughs> yeah. we, we all know. I mean, come on, that's unconventional. So this unconventional thinking myself, you know how college football has a committee to decide who gets the final four teams. You know how, mm-hmm. um, you know how the college basketball does its own committee. I think, and look, I love your idea. I do. I also think the idea of keeping it Western Conference and Eastern Conference should still stay the way it is, but at the same time, and the one problem with doing like you said, you know, you could easily do it where you have, um, you could easily do it where you have leagues like in baseball, you know, American National League or something of that nature. But I think in the NBA, what would make it even more intriguing and more and more uh, equipped with the fans and to get the fans more involved, because let's be honest, there's a lot of people. And, and with where the NBA wants to go, if they want to get bigger and make more money, I feel like if they incorporated people like us, of fans who know the game, you know, people on like Twitter or people on Facebook or people on and that it would be kind of like the NFL voting for the Pro Bowl, you know, 30 percent of the fan vote. 30% of a committee and 30% of the seating. So, and I think this would be, a, it's just an idea, but have it be like, you know, we all know if we were just, for example, we all know everyone would put golden state number one. That's not a debate, not even a debate. I think everyone would put San Antonio at two. I think everyone would put Cleveland at three, the top teams. But I think what would make it more fascinating from the standpoint of considering how watered down the league. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest, look, the top teams over the last, 15, 20, since the bird magic era. I, I think even the entire history of the NBA, really, there's only been about four or five amazing teams every year. Outside of that, the rest is kind of up in the air. I think mm-hmm. what should happen, this would be a good idea just from this perspective, have the top five teams have to battle in. You know, from the standpoint, Golden State would be an automatic, uh, San Antonio automatic, Cleveland, uh, Oklahoma City, the Clippers, maybe even a team like Toronto, obviously rewarding them with a great year, an automatic bid. I think the other ten, nine teams, ten nine teams in the NBA, that should be up to a committee and on top of performance, but on top of like fan vote. I think that would be an unbelievable way to get teams into the postseason, and it would also eliminate the opportunity for teams to tank. What if, for example, like you said, yes. with with Houston and Chicago, because they're, I mean, maybe it'd be better to actually have like a bottom four do this. But, like, but not have half the league. But, like, let's say what if a team like Chicago, you know, like you said, really good team, would have made a postseason thing like you had here. But what if you had, like, people voting on whether Houston or Chicago gets in, and then you had a committee decide on top of it, and that helped decide them get in. Like, something of that nature where it became more interactive. We all know that a team who plays Golden State in the first round is probably going to get dominated. But 
what if the fans decided to create a bracket, vote for their own bracket, and it went through, and then you had a committee look at the bracket, make some tweaks, and then look at their schedule? I think that would make it more interactive because, like you said, in the first round, it would be what everyone wanted to vote for. It would create more topics for discussion. It would create more interaction with the fans. It would create more. I think people would be more engaged down the stretch of the season because, let's be honest, we all know baseball is a six-month endeavor. We all know football is only like a four-month endeavor. People generally don't check into the NBA until about after Christmas and even after the Super Bowl. And I think Mm – when people start watching the game down the stretch, they see a team like you said, Chicago, or someone who starts off really slow, and then all of a sudden these teams get really hot down the stretch. I mean, super hot down the stretch. And what if all of a sudden they click? Kind of like Oklahoma City in the San Antonio Spurs you know, series here. I was mentioning it a second ago. I don't know if you heard, but in game five, they figured it out. I think they have completely yeah. found an identity. What if a team finds an identity and they're on that verge of being right behind Houston or right behind Chicago or something, but they don't quite get in? Like, for example, the Kings. I know the Kings weren't very good this year. I get it. But what if they had something pushing them, like knowing that they had a chance through a committee or the fan vote and they got in? You got a scary Rajon Rondo. You got a scary Boogie Cousins, and they got all that motivation to come in. Who wouldn't want to tune in to watch Sacramento play Golden State in the first round? We all know we all know Sacramento would get lost, but the TV and the television. At the end of the day, it is all about marketing and television ratings. That would get giant ratings compared to a. Let's be honest. Chicago had a lot of injuries this year. They fell off hardcore. But wouldn't it be more entertaining to watch a team? Like like Sacramento play the Golden State Warriors in the first round. Well, we know Golden State's going to win, but it would pose more of a television audience than it would a beat up Chicago team with a Jimmy Butler coming off injury. Paul Gasol who got hurt at one point in the year. Derrick Rose, who as we know is not the Derrick Rose anymore that we saw five years ago. It would change the complexity of it. I know that would be a really hard thing to create, but the NBA is known for unconventional things. What if they decided to do something like that? I just want to kind of throw that idea out there with you. What, what, what is your thought of a, of a committee or something? As we know, it needs to change, but what's your idea or what's your thought on that? I definitely uh, like that idea of the voting. Um, I think that pretty much every sport is going towards that, you know, like with them trying to incorporate more gambling and things like that. I think yeah. that um, – Having just, just having more interaction with fans because you see how, how much interaction it is with fans on Twitter now. Like, teams' Twitter accounts yeah. are literally tweeting, like, live game tweets during the game now. So, with all of the social media interaction, it would be great for fans to be able to actually contribute to the game more. You know, like, uh, I don't think that fans should control it solely, but the way you described it is no. perfect, where it's a nice balance, where it's a little bit of the coaches and things like that, and then fans, and then just what you do on the court, how you perform. That would be great. I definitely uh, I like your idea. I actually thought of something like that to, to stop the tanking. And um, what I was thinking yeah. is we could have a tournament, instead of it being just the, oh, the, the teams that didn't make it are, are all in the lottery or we'll do the ping pong balls. Instead, I thought of a tournament. Why not have a tournament yeah. all the lot, with all the lottery teams and at two weeks after the NBA season or three weeks, have the teams that make the playoffs, they just rest, and then we can actually watch the lottery teams battle it out for the number one pick. So I think that would be an uh, I think that would be an awesome idea. And then the, the league will make so much money from that. More fans can watch, even if your team didn't make the playoffs, you can still watch them. You know, right. compete for that high pick. You know, so I think that it'll definitely be a way. That, that could be a way for like teams to, to stop really stop tanking because fans don't want to see their team try to lose. You know, like I couldn't imagine being a exactly. 76ers fan right now, just being terrible for so long and only getting worse. And even though they have the resources to get better, they just don't. And they just consistently try to lose. I don't think that that's good for the league, you know? So I was thinking of, of, of if we had a tournament like that, it actually be a way to make guys compete because then they'll want to compete to get that high draft pick. And, and that'll really expose the people who don't want to compete at all as well. And you know what? You, you just you just brought up a, a light bulb in my brain that I thought of. You know, 
And what, what I was thinking about, and you just said this, I mean, there's 30 teams in the NBA. Uh, obviously, 14 of them don't make the postseason. And what would be fascinating, like you said, have, you know, have it like, a, have it like the, the top two teams. Basically, let's just say the two teams that did it. Because, again, we just, I just mentioned the, the theory of having it 30-30-30 or 33-33-33, where you have coaches, uh, a committee, and fans decide how you get teams in. What if the teams that got snubbed, they had a chance at getting a lottery pick. Like for example, you had Chicago or a team like uh, or a team like Sacramento or something or Houston, for example, teams that were so dang close to getting in but they got snubbed out of a committee. Those teams could have like a bye week type thing heading into that little lottery thing. And on top of it, we're getting into a point now where we're seeing we're going to see you know the Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals come up, and there's only going to be one game per night. Well, what if they decided to give, like, you know, end of the season, give guys about a week to two weeks off, the beginning of May comes, and at random times throughout the year or random times throughout the second round of the playoffs or even Western Conference playoffs leading up to the draft, like even like a week before the draft, they just have these games, these tournament games, where you start to see these lower-seeded teams. Like you see the 76ers play a team like, I don't know, if Sacramento, for example, in this example right now, they play a team like Sacramento or they play like the Denver Nuggets or something. And like you said, it would give them compensation to want to play because I think the team who wins in the, in the lottery should have a higher chance at getting a higher draft. Now, again, that would kind of screw with the, you know, obviously teams that are bad and not getting the right draft pick. But I think what it should do is it should allow for those teams to come in and think, hey, we actually got to play well because, if, like you said, if we don't and we get a really crappy seating in the lottery selection, we're going to get a crappy draft pick. And so mm-hmm. I think that that will be a way to do it. And then in that, in that tournament you're mentioning, have like a loser's bracket. Have like a black bracket where, like, if the 76ers lose, they got, t- they got time to prove that they don't want to get a bad draft pick. So the team that ultimately just keeps losing gets the worst draft pick. I think that's the best way to keep, like you said, keep fans of other teams interactive and see what's going on. I mean, the, the, the money that's being thrown around the NBA right now, I don't want to hear your excuses about guys not getting paid and compensated for this because you got guys mm-hmm. like Aaron Pistons who got paid three years, $20 million last summer. Last time I checked, Aaron Baines was on the San Antonio Spurs, me being a Spurs fan. He came in and played five minutes of ball game and grabbed two rebounds and shot one free throw a game. That guy ain't worth <laughs> $20 million or $7 million a year. I'm sorry. So these guys are going to get compensated enough for these changes to be made. And so if the NBA can find a way to make it more fan-friendly, get every team interacted, uh, find a way to get that lottery system fixed, not just the lottery system, but have the idea you just mentioned – but also make it so that the playoffs are more watching. I'm telling you, this is a way where the NBA could easily just not steal the spotlight from the NFL because I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but to make it really the, the newest big fad in, in basketball where it's going on constantly. And the NBA season's already long enough, but there's teams that, like, like we, I, we just said, who get buried early. Like, for example, this year, the New Orleans Pelicans walked into this year absolutely hampered with injuries. I mean, Tyreek Evans out for a long time. Guys out, you know, Anthony mm-hmm. Davis got hurt at one point. That team is automatically going to be kind of disqualified. But, for example, what if they got off to a hot start, you know, in March after being hurt for, uh, hurt for a month and a half, and they got a pretty good seating in the lottery? They could get a high draft pick. That could really help them. They could be, you know, it would change. It would change so much in the sport, and it would create such a good idea. Um, but, 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 Anything else you want to say before we move on to talking a little bit? I want to talk to you a little bit about this Oklahoma City team. Uh, no, let's do it. Hey, man, I, I know you haven't been on the radio very often, but, I mean, hey, I'm a Spurs fan, and I was just talking about how the trio is possibly it's, – I mean, look, and I've been – this is the fascinating part. I'm going to talk about it once Tim Duncan retires officially. I don't know if it will be this year. If it's not this year, I can guarantee you it will be next year, but it's like a 95% chance he will retire after this year. Um, and Manu yeah. should too. Manu should have retired three years ago. But the point is, is <laughs> as a Spurs fan, as a Spurs fan, watching this team and watching what they've done since, I would say since you know what, since about 2008 when the Hornets uh, almost knocked off my Spurs. Because if you remember, I don't know if you you remember, Chris. It's been about eight years. It's been a long time. But I remember I was a junior in high school. I remember hanging out with one of my girlfriends, and I was watching the game, and I was thinking. 
we're done. Like, this trio is done. Tim Duncan's got plantar fasciitis. Tony Parker can't do it. He's been running up and down the court for 45 minutes a game. Manu's starting to grow a bald spot. You know, it it was starting to look kind of bleak because that was after the year they had won the championship against the Cavs. And I was sitting there thinking, good Lord, how are we going to compete with the team, with the the NBA coming up? And what's going to happen? And I thought we were done then. Oh, wait, I thought we were done after that. We, We found a way to bounce back, but obviously the Lakers beat us in that Western Conference Finals to play the Celtics. Celtics won the championship with their trio. That was what happened there. But then, you know, 09, we, we, we only got to the second round. We lost to the Suns. We lost to the, the Memphis Grizzlies as the one seed, as the eighth seed in 2010. I really thought we were, we were done. And then the next year, we lost to the Thunder. And then we lost uh, to the Heat in the playoffs to, in my opinion, a top 10 team of all time, the 2012-2013 Heat with the greatest LeBron James we've ever seen. In my opinion, yeah. from a team perspective, and it is prime. I mean, I, I don't like. Look, I was looking at YouTube videos the other day. All this Steph Curry craze, bro. Go look at go look at LeBron when he was early on with the Heat. I, that was the scariest player I've ever seen. I mean, seriously, all this conundrum with Steph Curry. Go watch LeBron early on with the Heat. It's the scariest thing you'll ever see. But anyway, going back to the point, um, you know, we 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 lost to to the Heat in, in. And granted, we lost. We choked. We choked against in 2013 in Game Six, but we came back, bounced back, and we won a title. I did not expect that to happen with the same guys for the last six, seven years, we've been living on a cloud of rebuilding with getting guys like Kawhi. He's not the second best player in the league. He's not the second best MVP. This is a system that is legendary. It is not Kawhi who's carrying that organization. But we're still unbelievable. 67 wins goes to show you how great we are. But seeing how the team played and watching the Thunder, and I wanted to ask this to you, the Thunder were unbelievable. I mean, I'm telling you, they – Look, we didn't choke away this this series. They came out and they flat out balled and they beat us. Mm-hmm. They just flat out beat us. Look, Adams yeah. and Cantor and Russell Westbrook finally. Look, I don't know if you know this, but I am a I'm the biggest Russell Westbrook fan of all time. That guy reminds me he is athletically he's Jordan. Athletically, he's not going to have the legacy of Jordan. He's not going to have any of that. But he is athletically as as gifted as Jordan will ever see. Fundamentally, not there, but athletically, he's on par. It's unbelievable what he does, and he showed up in Game 5, and I think that was his, his annoyance to the NBA and saying, look out, here I come. What was your take on this series with the Thunder, and what do you see happening in, I think this is going to be one of the most vicious Western Conference finals we've seen in quite some time. Uh, first off, I have to say, uh, I have to admit, I'm a Spurs fan myself, but it's not just because of the team or one player. It's just because of the organization, you know, the way they right. draft the right players. They only they have Popovich. He leads them correctly. Really humble guys, you know, and they just want to play basketball. I respect them so much for that. Um, as far as the, the series they had with the Thunder, oh, man, it was it was amazing to see the Thunder finally grow into that team. We thought they would be at the beginning of the year. When they had, okay, we see they have Cantor, and, you, you know, we see they have Durant. Westbrook is back. Everyone is healthy. New coach, new system. Was, we were all kind of hyped, but when they lost so many games in the fourth quarter in the clutch, everybody kind of started doubting them. And I think that when Russell Westbrook finally started to play under control, the Thunder got better. So I think that him just coming down court full speed, trying to run through the whole defense, yeah. it kind of it destroys the Thunder offense. You know, once he started to distribute more, uh, he could dribble down full speed, but then slow down and survey the floor, make a better pass. You know, when he started, when he changed his decision-making, that helped. And Billy Donovan finally seen that, okay, if I put Panther in, that'll be better than having Ibaka. That, that whole death, it, it just killed the Spurs. They couldn't yeah. compete with that. Yeah. It, they just couldn't it compete. Did. And the, they have so much length on their front line. Kevin Duncan just isn't athletic enough like he used to be to where he can compete nope. with those yeah. guys. And LaMarcus Aldridge is that kind of player to where he's going to go out and dive on the floor. And, you know, he, he and then Aldridge also affected the Spurs offense, you know, because they used to be a team where they moved the ball a lot, and he's a guy where it has to be one-on-one. I mean, it worked. It did work. He looked great in his first, first few games. But once the Thunder figured it out, it was over. And you just could kind of see it on yeah. Tim Duncan's face. When he went up for that dunk and he blocked and Ibaka uh, got him, it was just – he just looked defeated. He just kind of walked to the bench and he had this look like, this might be his for me, you know. But I think that yeah. – I, I love how the how the 
Thunder have grown in the playoffs. You know, in these first two rounds, they really grew yeah. a lot. You know, they, they seem like they've oh, got man. better as a team. It's just you can literally see it when they play. They trust each other more. Um, Roberson played better. Deion Waiters, I'm a yes. Deion Waiters hater. I'm always on him because he just stagnates the offense, you know. So right. now they're playing such – I'm just ready for this, this, this series to start because I, I don't know who's going to win. I, I, I want to say the Warriors, but the way the Thunder are playing and the way the Warriors have been playing, I can see – they going seven games, and Kevin Durant hitting a buzzer beater, and they're going to the final. That part wouldn't surprise you know, me because the Thunder have grown so much. You know, it's fascinating. You mentioned a great point about, you know, Billy Donovan, and you talk about how they switched up on Canner and Ibaka. Look, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you're playing. I hate to use a football analogy on a basketball show, but it's kind of like it's kind of like when you have Peyton Manning at the helm, and then you decide you're not working, let's use Brock Osweiler, and you start winning games still, but you get better offensively, it's kind of the exact same thing that happened with the Oklahoma mm-hmm. City Thunder because Serge Ibaka has been the old guard there, and he don't get me wrong, two, three years ago when we played him in the playoffs, I've always been terrified of Ibaka because he can shoot from the outside, unbelievable defender, but he is aging, and Cantor is a young face, same with Adams, young faces on the front line, like you said, and I'm telling you, after I'm telling you, after game four, I think Greg Popovich, deep down, got a little scared from the standpoint of there's no answer. There was no answer for Cantor, no answer for Adams down low with ball movement. And even when, and they were talking about it on the broadcast, as you heard, they're saying, oh, this is the most stagnant I've seen the Spurs offense. The reason why the offense was so stagnant was because when they were trying to make passes on the outside to break down the defense on the inside, Adams and Cantor were rotating with perfection. And when you have perfect rotation, you almost can't make the pretty passes inside, weaving in and out like the Spurs are used to doing. But when you have perfect rotation on the on the inside defensively, it almost it just freaks you out. It doesn't matter how talented you are of a basketball team passing the ball. If you have perfect rotation in your, in your scatterbrained defensively, you're going to freak out a team like the Spurs because – and, and to be 100% honest, outside of LaMarcus Aldridge, they don't have a guy. And, and Kawhi is getting there, but I don't think he's going to get to that level people are expecting him to get to. But for the most part, you don't have a guy that can create off the dribble and, and, and score with help in the paint. And Kawhi can't do that. Kawhi can score if there's no one in the paint and he can beat a guy off the dribble. He can do that. But when there's someone meeting him at the rim, he's useless. It's the same with LaMarcus on the, on the perimeter, uh, uh, on, the, on the mid-range game. When someone's there to meet him inside, he can't do anything. Thing. And that's the whole Spurs team. And the, and the Oklahoma City Thunder figured that out in game four. They figured it out game five and game six. And the thing is that's scary is that I'm not going to sit here and say that it's an automatic that they're going to do the same thing to the Warriors. But look, if you got a guy like Billy Donovan, and this is what's interesting because you know, two years ago, when the Golden State Warriors didn't make the postseason because they got hurt and all that, and Mark Jackson was the head coach. Mark Jackson was the guy who helped create the system in Golden State, no one's giving them credit. You know, people who are bandwagon Golden State fans and looking all that, you know, they look at this and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, Steve Kerr is the greatest thing. He's like, did you watch Mark Jackson develop those players? Did you watch him instill that will to win in that, in that organization? He helped them. He just couldn't get them over the top. Scotty Brooks did the exact same thing in Oklahoma City. He helped instill mm-hmm. that organization get the chemistry going, but then Billy Donovan is now making the little tweaks. I'm telling you, he ain't doing much, but he's now figuring out and making the little tweaks that are necessary for this team. And after those two games, something felt different to me watching those games against the Spurs, and you saw him make the tweaks that were necessary to beat, in my opinion, one of the greatest, if not the greatest runs in sports history of the San Antonio Spurs from a standpoint of consistency, and they made Greg Popovich look like a fool. And if you can make Greg Popovich look like a fool at his own game with what he does, that is a system for success. And going forward, as the Oklahoma City Thunder will, playing the Golden State Warriors, as an Oklahoma City fan, and the best part about it is, I mean, I don't think I don't think Golden State would look at it as a team that would choke away the series, at the, uh, choke away a season at this point because they got to the Western Conference Finals. I said before the playoffs, as long as they get to the Western Conference Finals, it's not a choke because look, the West is brutal, it's deep, and now that they're playing the Thunder, Thunder and Cavs in the ne- like next two rounds. Look, if they don't win the title, we understand this is going to be brutal. But from the standpoint mm-hmm. of the Thunder figuring out what they need to do to be successful, I think they finally. 
finally, in game four, and especially game five, they found a way to stay close, get their system going, get their guys going, and finish out with the two best players in the game at, in, in, on the same team, at least from the standpoint of a duo in the league. I mean, Westbrook and, and Durant are two of the top two players in the league, and they found a way, not even individually, they found a way to trust their teammates, believe in Billy Donovan's system down the stretch, and they found ways to make adjustments to absolutely dominate the San Antonio Spurs, and they did. They Look, and as a Spurs fan, the games were close. They were epic, but you're going to get that with a well-run organization, a team that's never going to die, never going to quit. But Oklahoma City did it twice on the road against them, and going to play the Golden State Warriors with this new team and this new system that they have in place, I don't think the Warriors will know how to prepare for this. And look, and here's the scary part about that. In the regular season, which again, another regular season won't mean much now going into the playoffs as every team really looks different, but Oklahoma City was playing their old system and they still pushed overtime games against the Warriors. What do you think is going to happen in this round? I mean, it's, it is going to be, I'm telling you, this Western Conference Finals is going to be absolutely crazy. And Chris, what's your opinion on what's going to happen in the Western Conference Finals? Um, I think it's going to, I think this really, this series really depends on who breaks first. Because the Warriors will play the when it's crunch time, they'll play their small ball, and the Thunder are going to go to what works best for them. This new lineup with uh, Cantor, Ibaka on the bench. So, if the Warriors are playing small and the Thunder are basically playing big, whichever team performs the best and executes, the other team will have to go. With, okay, we're going to have to go back and uh, I guess the uh, the Warriors will bring back in Azili or uh, Bogut to compete with cancer. Uh, but I don't think that that lineup can beat the Thunder. See, that's that's what I'm thinking here, that if the Thunder lineup can, can, can continue to produce, that that great lineup can continue to produce and put up points and get big stops on defense, the Warriors will have to go, go big, and their bigs simply can't compete with the Thunder bigs at all, even right. if one's coming off the bench. They just couldn't compete with them on that level. So I, I think – it's, I think it's going to go seven games, definitely. I, I say, I, I'm yeah. still say Warriors in seven. I still say Warriors in seven. But the, the one thing that did happen in the season series, the Thunder had 50 turnovers in those three right. games. And that's just – in the playoffs, you can't have those kind of turnovers. So if they can find a way to, to, to take care of the ball, then they might have a better chance. But – Right now, I still have to go with the Warriors. It's just Steph came back and lit up Portland. It was just – I was insane, man. And with the way Draymond yeah. is playing, I don't think Draymond – I don't think people understand how valuable Draymond Green is. Like oh, my God. Oh, my God. If I had a vote oh MVP, he would be my MVP vote. Because yes. he is literally – literally, when it comes to players that do it all, LeBron is at the top, and he's literally second. If you think about it, he can guard pretty much every player in the league. He guards most centers. Yeah. He guards most of the, 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 the quickest, fastest point guards. He guards those guys. And then we'll get the rebound, take the ball up the floor, and then make a perfect pass. And he just he can run the offense, and he can be a defensive anchor. And yeah. battle for you in transition going both ways. It's like Draymond is – the Warriors are getting every penny from him, every penny. I, yes. I think that he's very undervalued. So, I, But I think the biggest X factor for the Warriors will be Harrison Barnes. He has to find his stroke. He has to earn his contract yeah. this summer, man. You know, he, it, and if he doesn't, I, I'm not sure the Warriors will even try to keep him around, even though they, they should. Uh, but he's that guy that they need to – they need that one extra guy to play well, and he's that guy behind Clay and Curry and Draymond. Harrison yeah. Barnes has to compete. He has to – I'm not saying score 30 or even 20. He just has to get – Maybe 15 points, maybe four or five good rebounds, a couple of assists. He, he needs to compete well on offense and defense because sometimes he's going to be that guy guarding Durant. And Durant yes. has been scoring up – he scored absurd against the Warriors. You know, he had a yeah. 30, uh, shooting 50% from three. You just can't have that, you know. And yeah. I, I, I really think that this is going to be one of the best series we've ever seen. I'm, I'm ready. I'm yes. hyped. I'm hyped too, man. Hey, it's going to be on Monday night – we got about a minute left. We do have callers on the line. If you want to call in, we'll, we'll get to you. We're going to go past the live edition, and we're going to go into the podcast to take your calls. But we got a call from the 360, and he's on. Yes, he is. He's on the hotline playing. He's on the Drake hotline. So, 
360. Where are you from? How you doing? Who are you? Hey, what's going on, man? Long time listener, long time caller, man. Just wanted to call in a little bit and talk. A, wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, the Thunder and the upcoming uh, upcoming uh, Thunder Golden State uh, series. And uh, you know, I, 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 what's kind of funny is I was sitting here uh, sitting here listening to you guys on hold talking about the X factors this uh, X factors to this upcoming series, and not one of you talked about the rebounding. Um, and quite as yes. has kept uh, Oklahoma City out uh, out rebounded San Antonio, uh, which was kind of, which was kind of a surprising turn uh, turn of events considering they didn't just do it on the defensive end they did it on the offensive offensive end. And what's yes. going to be interesting about this upcoming series, I, I actually think that's going to be a huge factor uh, in this upcoming series. Yes. I don't necessarily think it's going to be one one player, but it's going to have to be uh, it's going to have to be a collective. And I'll tell you what, not only is it going to have to be on the uh, on on the glass. But Oklahoma City is going to have to play some lockdown D for four games in order to capture, uh, capture this series. Period. Point blank. They're going to have to. They're going to have to do what nobody else in this league has been able to do all season long. Let me rephrase that. For the last two seasons. It's true. I mean, from the standpoint of rebounding the basketball, the uh, the, the, the the this this Oklahoma City team has to be able to find a way to capture the boards like they did against San Antonio. And here's the thing. I know San Antonio does not have the offensive firepower that the Oklahoma City Thunder do when it comes to Clay, when it comes to Draymond, when it comes to, when it comes to Steph, especially Steph. Um, but they do have a similar system. And when it comes to fundamental basketball, the Oklahoma City Thunder found a way to, to, to nip it in the bud against San Antonio. And, it, and that is the beginning point. And if they play like that as a starting block, then I think the rebounding and the opportunity to beat Golden State down low is a highly possibility. I know the Golden State Warriors are chippy, and they got Festus. They got Bogut. They got a couple other guys down there that can compete down low and get, and get offensive and defensive rebounds when they necessarily need it. But that, like you said, rebounding really, I think, from the standpoint of the Thunder and their ability to compete with the, with the uh, Golden State Warriors – is going to be a big factor. And that's going to be a big factor in the series because both teams have the offensive firepower to compete. But defensively, it's going to be a, a, an amazing circumstance yeah. there. Is this yeah. Steve Silver? Is this Steve Silver? You from know Boston it is. From, man. Uh, from, hey, man, that's my guy. Hey, you know, we all know yeah. what's so, going on in Seattle. This is my – yeah, what's up? So, yeah, I mean, so when you see the 3-6, when you see the 3-6, just automatically calm, calling from right outside of Everett, Washington, and you know where that's at. It's just about 30 yeah, north of Seattle. So, anyways, man. Yep. So here, so here's the thing, man. And I'm gonna say this just like this. And and I don't right. want to, I don't want this to seem like I'm taking anything away from the Oklahoma City Thunder because, well, quite frankly, sure. no. Here's the here's what I will I will take away everything from the Oklahoma City Thunder because obviously, as you know, a I'm a Sonics fan, not a Thunder fan, and so we can just sure. put that to a side because we'll we'll just, we'll just put that to the side right now. But the thing about yeah. this is, is number one. Put it in the context of this. This is the this is the last run of the Oklahoma City City Thunder with this crew, and this, the, the window so. ends. The, the window ends right here. So of course they're going to have to play. Now they took advantage of a San Antonio Spurs team, and think of it this way: Greg Popovich is a dude that relies heavily on the guys that have got him there before and that know how know how to win. We've seen Greg Popovich do this time and time again, and I think in this series. When, when you just don't have the legs, and we, I think I saw this in the early part of the series when it looks like maybe they may or may not have the legs. They have a couple games in the, left in the tank, but for the most, for the most part, if you're going to get ran out of the gym, maybe it's time to think outside the box and let, let some of the younger guys right. decide not to dress. Maybe, maybe let them dress and maybe, maybe get some minutes. But they didn't, they, what's kind of funny is in, in, when they had that little stretch, uh, when they had that stretch of uh, I think it was right here in that closeout game in game six in the second quarter when they went on this – God awful 0 for 0 for 17 run where uh, where uh, uh, Oklahoma City pulled away and really just put the game away right there in the second quarter. They didn't even they didn't even bring in their go to guy off the bench for a bucket in, in Boris Diaw. They didn't even use a, a guy that Greg Popovich yeah. relied on to get some quick points. They he decided not yeah. to use him and they had a bunch of 0-4s on that bench. And so what, here's the way that I look at this. I think number one, Greg Greg Popovich tried to simplify it try to simplify this thing to get to the Western Conference Finals. And two, I think Oklahoma City played well above over their heads because i got to be honest with you. Yes. I, li- I-, I like Durant. You know I like Durant. You know how much I yeah, like yeah. Kevin Durant. Oh, and yeah. I- and, I can be o- and I can be okay on Russell Westbrook. But really, for the most part, you have two very, very good, if not great ballers 
surrounded by a cast that's okay. I'm not going to sit there and say that's surrounded by a great cast, but they're okay. Right. And and when you when you're playing when you're playing collectively and playing above your head and taking advantage of a team that maybe is trying to oversimplify things, you're going to win that series ten times out of ten. So here's here's what I will say. I, I give credit to the Oklahoma City Thunder for taking down the San Antonio Spurs. It's not an easy thing to do. Not an easy thing to do. But when it comes to the Golden State Warriors, you're going to have to do what nobody has been able to do, including the Oklahoma City Thunder, which is play lockdown defense for four, for four games. In order to capture that series, you've got to do it four times. You might be able to do it once, and you might be able to do it twice. But the key to this thing is going to be rebounding, and it's also going to be, it's also going to be able to limit the damage outside of Steph Curry. Because I, I think all of us can agree here, Steph Curry is going to be able to do whatever Steph Curry is going to be able to do, and nobody's going to be able right. to stop Steph. But it's, can you minimize the supporting cast? Can you minimize Clay Thompson? Can you minimize Harrison Barnes? Can you, can you minimize the damage done inside the paint with Draymond Green? If you can do that, you have a right. really good opportunity at advancing to the NBA Finals. But i got to be honest with you, man. This thing tells me that, that Golden State is just going to be too much for Oklahoma City. Yeah, this is, this is Russell Westbrook's series. This is his series. Look, look. For all the intents and purposes, this is the series that Russell Westbrook want, needs to prove himself that he is defensively ready to absolutely dominate Steph Curry. He is, this is his series. Look, if, if Russell Westbrook wants to be seen as a champion, he has to dominate Steph Curry in this series. Absolutely Agreed. obliterate him defensively, offensively. This is the series for him. It has to be. It, it just has to be. And so for that, Steve, I got to let you go. Uh, we're, yeah. we're running out of time here. Thank you again for calling in. Absolutely fantastic yeah. stuff there. Um, from Steve Silver, my man from the Seattle area, no debate there. Chris, it was really good hearing from you, man. Hey, good stuff. Again, go check out his article uh, on uh, simplyhoopsportsblog.com. Again, NBA playoff format. Fun stuff there. Hey, Chris, get you on here again sometime, man. Obviously, you're always welcome. Uh, definitely, man. Just I'll definitely be tuning in a lot more now. You know, I'm trying to catch the show and love talking hoops, man. Heck yeah, man. This is the place to do it. We're the Hoopers log, man. We're not we're not shy from anyone or anything. We had a caller on the line. He apparently unfortunately dropped off the line, but that's okay. Hey, we got about a minute left on the show. Episode one thirty nine. Yeah, Chris, I didn't know if you know this, but we had hundred and thirty nine episodes up until now. We've gone November second, Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, we're going to go to Monday, Wednesday, Friday next week. So we'll be back Monday on Monday, May 16, 2016. Episode 139 is in the books. Episode 140 on Monday. We'll preview the Western and Eastern Conference Finals, and we'll recap what happened over the weekend. If there is a Game 7, obviously Toronto and uh, Toronto and the, uh, and the Heat are playing right now. So with that, Chris, thank you again for joining. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, and we'll get out of here on that. Thank you again, everybody. Enjoy the weekend. Get outside, have some fun. Have a good one. Enjoy yourselves, everybody. All right. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.